Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make a monthly contribution. We appreciate your support. The Schilling Show Unleashed podcast welcomes R.J. Hammon, Director of Government Relations and Communications with the Federation for American Immigration Reform with an update a sad update on American immigration control efforts. And R.J. Hammond, welcome to The Shilling Show Unleashed. Yeah, Rob, thanks for having me on. You know, I fear, first of all, before we get into the basics, that we've really lost a lot of focus in the nation with war, pandemic, and inflation. I just wanted to see from your perspective if the lawmakers are keeping an eye on the ball here. No, I mean, you're spot on. I think I think they're not keeping an eye on the both the political and policy balls. I mean, from the policy standpoint, I mean, I think the American people would be outraged when they see how quick Congress and the Biden administration go when it comes to addressing the national sovereignty and the security of another nation rather than our own. I mean, we had one of the biggest crises in, in you know American history last year down at the border, and we didn't see Congress immediately come in and pass $14 billion or so dollars in, in, human, or in border security rather than kind of like humanitarian aid like they did for Ukraine. But I mean, you know, late last week, kind of at the behest of the White House, again, the, the House and Senate passed a $1.5 trillion spending bill to, to fund the federal government. But that, you know, it not only gave Ukraine $13.6 billion, but it also included $370 million to help secure the borders of other random countries like Jordan, Lebanon, Oman, Nepal. Um, and they only gave about, you know, I think it's about $1.6 billion to DHS, to CBP and ICE, who obviously secure the border and enforce immigration law. That money is intended. They're just going to shuffle it around. So, again, the priorities are out of whack here in Washington. But, I mean, second, especially for Republicans who, who are trying to take back control of both chambers of Congress in uh, November 2022, you know, they were really leaning into the border crisis because it's an issue that not only their base cares about, but the American people as a whole, they want our borders secure. They want laws enforced. They don't want open borders and amnesty for every illegal alien in the country. But we've seen them move away from that. And all they're talking about, both in the media or probably in their districts up here in Washington, is what's going on in Ukraine. And like you, you said it perfectly, they're kind of ignoring inflation, you know, high gas prices, the, what's going on at the border, kind of the woke culture thing. And all they're focusing on is, is a situation in Europe that really doesn't affect any of their voters. So, again, we're hopeful that, you know, they, they keep in mind that you've you got to address and highlight issues that the American people care about. I'm not discounting what's happening over there. But if they really want to take back uh, Congress in November 2022, got to pivot back to what they were doing. So this is very interesting that you mentioned the midterm elections, RJ, because uh, we hear a lot of political change happening, particularly in the border states and in particular Texas. Mm -hmm. So what are you hearing politically in Texas as far as the leanings, particularly of Hispanic voters? Oh, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I don't have the actual numbers in front of me, but there's an interesting Wall Street Journal poll that, that came out a week or two ago 
said Republicans were up nine points with Hispanics mm. and then also closed the gap with African-Americans of about 20 points. Now, obviously, they're still down to the Democrats on that part. But, I mean, they're making political progress on, on a variety of fronts, again, mainly because of what the people are going through or with many high costs. So, you know, everybody kind of wants border security. But, yeah, we're seeing it in some of these border districts down in Texas. And also we're seeing it nationwide. You know, one thing we always like to highlight is that every district's a border district, mm-hmm. you know, especially kind of in the Rust Belt and areas that are really experiencing uh, the negative effects of drugs flowing into the country. You know, fentanyl's killing a lot of young Americans. You know, Congress prioritizes, you know, COVID uh, because people more their age uh, are under the most of the threat. But if you look at 18 to 45, it's a lot of suicide and obviously a lot of you know drug overdoses that, that are kind of caused uh, by the border crisis. But again, you know, Republicans are now the party of secure borders and enforcing our laws. And, and, you know, Republicans could be way better on this Mm -hmm. issue. They've gotten better. Uh, But the fact that Democrats are the complete opposite, I mean, it's just total night and day. But it's good to see that the Republican Party overall has finally ditched the whole thought process to where the only way we can get Hispanic voters and become the party of the future is by doing amnesty for every illegal alien in the country. You know, after Mitt Romney lost in, in 2012, the GOP did their famous autopsy, which was written by a lot of party establishment folks and consultants that service their candidates in 2013. And they basically said, if you, yeah, if you ever want to go back to the White House or assume control of Congress, you need comprehensive immigration reform, which is amnesty for illegal aliens. Well, President Trump comes in and he's the most aggressive, uh, had the most aggressive immigration platform I think we've ever seen by a GOP candidate. And he won. And we're all we're also seeing this again right now. The wave is kind of going in our direct. The winds are going in our direction. So I, we're, we're fortunate to see that the GOP has kind of dropped that as a solution. Hispanics want secure borders. And that's why they're going to elect Republicans, I think, like we've never seen in Texas border districts. You know, RJ, part of it seems to be the messaging for Republicans is falling flat. And I think of this issue that you mentioned with the fentanyl, the drug trafficking, also the human and sex trafficking. And yet I think a lot of people in America think these are just domestic, organically grown problems. They do not see the connection to the border. Could the Republicans do a better job here making that connection and tying it to the Democrats? Yeah, 100%. Like I said, the line is every state is a border state. And one thing, Rob, I think is always interesting to point out is it's always been a a common, you know, a common fact on the the immigration, you know, policy debate that most people who do cross the border illegally don't stay near the border. I'd do the same thing if I was crossing. You don't want to be near the very people who could apprehend you and quickly deport you. You go up into the interior of the country and you you know, reunite normally with a lot of family members who are already here. So when people cross illegally, yeah, they go into the rest of the country, they take American jobs, they could commit a crime. But also, you're right, there's so many other factors, you know, in this border debate, notably, you know, drug trafficking and all and, and human smuggling and trafficking. It's just, you know, we're seeing the effects everywhere. And Republicans do need to shine a light on that rather than just saying, oh, look what's going on at the border. It's really bad. They got to connect the dots to things up here. And, and I think that that's one thing Republicans will be able to do if they take back both chambers is really ramp up aggressive oversight of these federal agencies and kind of what's going on at the border. I mean, you know, Democrats are able to create a quick congressional committee on on January 6th and and other things that they really want to take a deep dive into. You know, we could do that with the situation at the border and how it's uh, affecting the American people. So the Republicans did have control of House, Senate and the White House for a couple of years. 
and it seemed that they failed in many ways. Do they have the stomach now that they wouldn't have had then if they were to retake control of these institutions? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a great question. It's, you know, I think, you know, nobody expected President Trump to win, even though even himself and a lot of people on his transition team. So it was unfortunate, you know, when uh, he assumed office in, in January 2017 and Republicans had complete control. You know, he kind of had to outsource his entire agenda to, to Paul Ryan and the establishment Republicans here in Congress. They didn't do any of the things he ran on, you know, an infrastructure bill, you know, a real true immigration reform package. They just did kind of a corporate giveaway tax cut and tried to repeal Obamacare. And, you know, it was just a tough situation. But I think that, you know, Republicans are really starting to see that the party has moved in a completely different direction. I mean, it wasn't just Trump, you know, as a as a personality cult or anything. I'm not saying that's why, you know, he was in the White House. But a lot of people value him as a person, respect him. They like him. But it's also about the issues that he ran on. And we're kind of encouraged to see, you know, people view Kevin McCarthy as a establishment Republican. But we're starting to see a lot of progress that he's been taking on the actual issues. So if he becomes speaker, you know, you know, we're, we're hopeful we'd be able to work for work with him and they'd accomplish something. But, you know, again, this is this is actually an encouraging thing on the immigration front. We were dejected, I guess, in the first two years of the, of the Trump administration where it's a, we had unified control. Of, Cong- of the government, and, and we weren't able to pass an immigration reform bill that's in the national interest. Well, they were in the opposite situation, well, the same situation, but with the opposite intent. You know, they had unified control of government, and they weren't able to amnesty nearly every illegal alien in the country. And I think even though the year's not over, they know that shift has fully sailed in terms of they can't tweak the procedure enough with reconciliation and they know they don't they know they don't want to amnesty a bunch of illegals we're nearing you know one of the toughest elections ever and again for your listeners to keep in mind too it's this is a norm in washington you know when the president is you know at that first that midterm election in in his first term he always gets his party always you know gets obliterated um in those midterm elections because the american people kind of want to put an adequate check on the uh, executive branch in the meantime, we still have to deal with our Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, who has called increased border security or border funding ill-advised, doesn't want to finish building the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's the status particularly of the wall project? I keep hearing stories, RJ, that, that we're uh, just paying people to do nothing down there, that contracts exist and they aren't being fulfilled. So they're just paying contractors to sit around or disperse the equipment that's down there. What do you know about that? Yeah, you know, you're right on that. You know, so what they were trying to do and what this, I don't want to get too in the weeds on, this, on the appropriations of congressional funding is they, they've had to keep extending, you know, current funding levels and, and projects that are funded. And one of those is the border wall. So the, the bill that was passed last week does keep funding border wall construction, even though the Biden administration wanted that stripped. But again, we don't expect them to comply with what con- the money that Congress is, is giving them. Like you said, I mean, they're, yeah, having people sit on the rear end there, not do anything, and, and obviously all the, you know, the wall uh, columns and pillars and everything get rusty. I mean, we've seen a, a ton of photos and, and video about that. But again, this is why it's so important for Republicans to be able to take back control. We have aggressive oversight to make sure that they're spending the money as intended. And also, you know, when they do pass these government funding bills, you attach some strings to the language, again, to make sure they're actually doing what Congress intends. But Mayorkas himself, though, I mean, there's there's nobody worse um, on the immigration issue. He's a competent, smart man, but his goals are completely against what organizations like FAIR um, are trying to attain. I mean, just just two quick examples. 
he did a, there's a thing called the TPS program, temporary protected status. It's a de facto amnesty for people that are here in the country illegally when a, a significant event hits their home country. Now, it's, it's very well intended by Congress. You know, for example, if you have people who are here in a massive hurricane or an actual invasion, it's your country. We can't expect you to go home even if you're here illegally. So it's temporary, normally about 18 months. However, the program has been so abused in the past few decades. I mean, you still have countries that have people have temporary protected status for a hurricane that happened in the late 90s. But what Mayorkas did, okay, is rather than when the Biden administration was trying to leave Afghanistan, rather than issuing TPS a week or two after our botched withdrawal to protect Afghans already here, he allowed about, you know, 74,000 Afghans to come over six months. And then two days ago, he issued the TPS. So he wanted to swell the ranks and have more people come into the country that he knew darn well would not be eligible for the special immigrant visa, which is for translators and interpreters, people who actually help the military. He knew all the people that they rapidly flew here wouldn't be able to be put on a path because they're all a bunch of random people. And now, granted, we understand they, they were fleeing strife and we do want to help people that are. But bringing them here and then using some deeply flawed program to make sure they all can stay is just completely out of whack. And Congress you know, should be outraged. And then second, I could get into this in, in a little bit, is Title 42 is the thing that's in place that under the CDC, it's a public health provision that allows you know, our, our border security folks down there to promptly remove you know, people that are trying to cross illegally. Now, the Biden administration, even though encounters have swelled down there, they do still remove about 50 percent of illegal border crossers they encounter every month. Well, they want to end Title 42. And we understand that it should because everything else on the COVID front is ending as well. But they need to have something else in place for when it does, because the moment Title 42 goes away, nearly every single border crosser will then be released into the interior of the country. And you're already seeing it. There's been news reports of Mexico, of the Biden administration having to go down to Mexico to discuss hey, what the hell are we going to do the moment we do this? They're already warning of a mass migration crisis and talking about setting up a command center and things like that. So it, it's just uh, you know absurd that they know a crisis is coming. They know how to actually end it. They just don't want to. The Shilling Show Unleashed podcast continues in a moment with RJ Hammond of FAIR. Stay with us. Support this podcast online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets, and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at Borderhawk News on Twitter. Show. 
The Schilling Show podcast returns. R.J. Hammond joins us, Director of Government Relations and Communications, Federation for American Immigration Reform. I'd like to go on to ICE because I'm always concerned, uh, particularly having interviewed at fairs events and at other times, administration and others who are working for the organization. What is the present state of the agency? Are they allowed to do their job? ICE arrests and deportations really, you know, plummeted to historic lows under President Biden. Now, this is something that they have been keeping under wraps. You know, every year ICE basically releases an annual report and the American people and Congress are able to look at how they're doing um, on enforcements and removals. And removals are obviously deportations to see if they're actually enforcing the law. Now, obviously, it's not a calendar year annual report. They do it every fiscal year. Well, the fiscal year ended on September 30th and the report had not been released. So you're talking nearly six months of them keeping the data under wraps. And they actually did release it, you know, late last week. And and the numbers were absolutely stunning. So ICE, in the last fiscal year, fiscal year 2021, ICE deported only 59,000 illegal aliens. And that's down from 118,000 of the previous year. And that's actually the lowest total in the agency's history. Now, keep in mind, ICE started in 2003 after DHS was formed in response to the 9-11 Commission's recommendations. But you even go back, you know, further than that in the INS days and all that. I, I think it's the lowest deportation total since about uh, 1995. And, you know, keep in mind, too, the fiscal year, President Trump had several months of that, and we were able to crunch up the data, and half of those deportations happened under President Trump. So it's even a smaller amount. They're really not removing anybody, and they're also not arresting people either. There were only 78,000 immigration arrests um, in that time. So, you know, the laws aren't being enforced, you know, and they wanted to kind of keep that under under wraps because of bad optics. And it, it's very interesting that they waited until the height of the Ukraine crisis to show that they're not enforcing the laws. And the other thing to keep in mind as well is that this is all a direct result of the policies the Biden administration put in place to basically make new priorities for ICE enforcement and then to create a bunch of sanctuary safe zones in nearly every city to where ICE can't do their actual job. So, I mean, they've gutted, they've completely gutted the agency and it's kind of been abolished very quietly rather than getting rid of the entire agency itself as AOC and other people within the Democratic Party are trying to do. So the excuse from the Biden administration is we're, we're focusing on those who are committing serious crimes. It sounds like a total deception to me, but what do you make of that? Well, no, no, no. Then it's, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up as well. And I don't have that exact number in front of me, but there's actually a story that came out yesterday so basically, we were kind of shocked to see how they were touting a on, on removals about how many people that they've arrested and removed that committed an aggravated felony, and it didn't look right. Well, from some back-channel information in ICE, and this was actually reported in the Washington Times yesterday, is they had kind of tweaked the definition of what an aggravated felony is to kind of detract from you know, the, the, the juicy number, distract, excuse me, from the juicy number of the lack of removals overall, for them to kind of be able to manipulate the general public and say, hey, well, re- we are really going after criminals and it's a record amount, but it's all a bunch of fake BS. Again, they're trying to distort what they're actually doing behind the scenes over there at ICE. And it's not funny, but it's, it's very interesting to see them finally wanting to expand what define, how a aggravated felon is defined, because that's something we've always wanted to do in statute so we can remove more people who are committed a criminal act, especially sexual assault and sexual abuse. But again, the Biden administration is completely trying to manipulate the general public and hide how they've completed, completely gutted immigration enforcement in the interior of the country. 
I'm always concerned for the individuals. How is the morale of ICE agents? How are they able to retain people? And even how is management there? Because they got to be hurting in this situation. Yeah, I mean, that's something you should definitely gauge from Tom Homan when you come up for Pizza Fire. But they, from what we gather as well, yeah, morale is as low as it's ever been at both ICE and CBP. I mean, you have a bunch of federal law enforcement officers who, who took an oath of office and their whole goal and their intent is to obviously enforce the law and that their very bosses come in day one and tell them to stop doing it and do the opposite. It's just very sad uh, to see this happen. And, and, you know, again, we're hopeful that the moment Republicans take back control in November, 2022, we can kind of put a stop to this, put an end to it and finally have people leading these agencies that actually have to do what they were created for. What would the agenda be for incoming Republican-controlled Congress, the top uh, three or four things that they should do immediately? Yeah, well, you know, we, we think an immigration bill, you know, one thing that a, a new Congress always do, does when they come in is they, they make sure the first several bills that they put on the floor are top priorities to, to gain a lot of attention. And we're hopeful that a large immigration package with obviously no amnesty attached will be H.R. 1, H.R. 2, H.R. 3, you know, one of those early numbers that the House considers. And, and again, we hope it goes beyond, you know, just just window dressing for the border crisis. And that's, you know, what some Democrats like to act like they'd stomach, you know, if, mm-hmm. whether it's more technology or things like that. We're talking actually changing statutes and policies that will discourage, truly discourage future illegal immigration into this country. And again, we're confident that they are. I don't want to get into too much details on what it could contain, because again, we're hopeful that they check all the boxes. I mean, they go, you know, go after sanctuary cities in the interior of the country, we have border security itself, and even some tweaks, ideally, to our legal immigration reform, our legal immigration system, which we still allow guest workers coming in and, and completely allow, you know, families to kind of govern um, our, our legal immigrant intake coming in. So there's, there's plenty that's going to be on their plate. And the one good thing, you know, about this issue is we have all the solutions. We know what needs to be done. We know which laws need to be changed and what needs to be added. Nothing's really changed. It's just, do they have, you know, are, are they willing to actually go down that path? And, and we'll see, because we're going to be telling them that they take back control of both chambers. They're going to have a mandate to secure our borders, and we're here to help. Finally, RJ, there's a program called the EB-5. Uh, it's also referred as a golden visa program. Oh. Uh, would you tell us about right. this? I think most people haven't heard about it, and they really need to know. Yeah, so, so the EB-5 program is a is a very fraud-ridden. It allows wealthy foreigners to, to purchase American citizenship. Now, Congress had to reauthorize this program every year and expired in, in July 2021, so it was dead, and that was just a significant victory for us. But unfortunately, that latest government funding bill actually revived the program. But, I mean, to kind of circle back, it, it sounds like a good thing, and that's how they try to bill it. Again, a wealthy foreigner you know, invests in a, you know, a development project in a certain targeted area around the country. And they say, oh, it will help create jobs, yada, yada. Well, it doesn't. They completely manipulated the program. They'd have to do these zones and they'd take a little zone all the way from a like a rural state and bring it all the way up to Manhattan. You know, you've had a lot of the buildings that were developed. It's just, it was a complete, you know, again, fraud ridden program. Now, the good thing here, okay, is that it, the reauthorization was accompanied by a lot of reforms. But I'm concerned about, like, if the world, if we successfully choke off enterprise in Russia, which is loaded with oligarchs, and we are, a lot of them will be even more motivated to invest their money in safer havens. And one of those safer havens could be here. You know, and EB-5 not only satisfies that, it would give them, you know, a green card, too, so then they can uh, flee a, a crumbling country. But, again, it's just another deeply flawed program, and it's sad 
you know, that that was a top priority uh, of Congress to insert that in the middle of a border crisis. RJ, if people would like to assist your efforts at FAIR or get more information about the work that you do, would you tell them how, please? Oh, Rob, it's uh, FAIRUS.org. That's www.FAIRUS.org. And again, we encourage all your listeners to go sign up for our alerts and take a look at the website. Again, the moment something big happens here in Washington or in the state of where you live, you will get ways to contact your lawmakers, again, both at the state and federal level, and learn about this issue and about how it affects you. So let's go to www.fairus.org and then on Twitter and Facebook at at Fair Immigration. RJ Hammond is the Director of Government Relations and Communications for the Federation for American Immigration Reform. And RJ, thank you so much for joining us today on the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Thank you, Rob. That concludes another edition of the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time. Mm-hmm.